It's 930 in 716. The movement to restore trust symposium in the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo is now behind us. The church itself is holy. The church is good. The church is beautiful. Uh, so the church itself, you know, is... It's individuals within the church that have made bad decisions. Father Bob Ziliux was on that panel. I was there Wednesday night, and so too was Shaban O'Connor, the so-called whistleblower. So I haven't really been um, particularly impressed by the diocesan response. Um, I, I feel that in many respects they were um, going on the defense again, um, and I just wish that there could be more candor and humility coming from them and from the bishop. I'm Tim Wenger on 9:30 and 7:16. It was a long session, indeed. The symposium Wednesday night at Canisius College inside the Montante Cultural Center. The panel discussion dealing with the ongoing and burgeoning priest abuse scandal facing the Catholic Church in general and Buffalo in particular. I think the goal and the purpose this evening was to kind of begin a dialogue and to have a conversation about some issues that need to be addressed. Father Robert Ziliox, the priest featured in the 60 Minutes story that broke the scandal wide open, was on the panel on stage. He spoke with WBEN's Brendan Keeney after the session. And it's not just about abuse, but it's other things that have kind of led and contributed to the, the crisis that we're facing right now. And so to kind of gather as many of the faithful as we could, you know, in the symposium with a panel of experts to focus on some areas of reform, uh, of accountability, not only for bishops, but in the church itself, to kind of move forward. I think that played a huge role in you know, the evening. How do you reconcile what many would consider to be a broken diocese, but we know this isn't just a Buffalo problem, that this is a global problem. How do you reconcile a church that, as some mentioned on this panel, that may be the greatest crisis the church has seen since the Protestant Reformation? Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, we talk about the Protestant Reformation. I'm not sure if I can necessarily answer that because I wasn't there, you know. But I think for us currently, it's a significant crisis. And in terms of the brokenness of a diocese, um, the church itself is holy. The church is good. The church is beautiful. Uh, so the church itself, you know, is it's individuals within the church that have made bad decisions. So I think if we look at it from that perspective, coming back and trying to say, okay, how can the lady play a role? You know, how can we as priests go reclaim why we became priests to begin with? Or bishops, you know, were appointed bishops and why they agreed to become bishops. I think we've lost focus of that and that call to holiness. So I think from my perspective, I think that's, that's an area that we need to be addressed. And I think that's one of the things that was part of the focus here this evening. A lot of uh, the people that I've talked to at protests outside the Buffalo Diocese have discussed the communication not being open. And while this did provide that kind of avenue, if there is no communication, you know, a lot of people say there can't be any trust. Is this a way to kind of resolve that? I think it's a start. Um, I think it's an opportunity to kind of have that public dialogue of things that people have kind of kept to themselves uh, and just looked at things from afar. It provides a whole new lens for the lady to kind of share their concerns with the hierarchy, to share their concerns with Bishop Malone, to share their concerns with their pastors or priests. And in doing so, that kind of can strengthen and, you know, sort of restore or begin the process of restoring that relationship. Because any relationship is built on trust. And when you lose that, right, that relationship becomes very much more severed. You know, it's, it's not as healthy and solid as it could be. So I think this is a, this is a step in the right direction. That, that relationship is built on trust, as you just said, um, and that you know, may ultimately start with the bishop. And for him not to be here tonight, do you think that 
makes it more difficult to believe that for the lady to believe that he's in it for this two-way relationship of communication. I don't. I think the fact of him not being here allowed the faithful in such a large group. This is probably the largest group that I've seen here in the Diocese of Buffalo that's gotten together, you know, in this kind of forum uh, to address issues going forward and to kind of have the dialogue about what to do. So I think the fact of not having him here, I think, was actually very beneficial. You know, he's been very supportive of this, so he's open to it. But I think, you know, I don't know if he was invited or not. That I don't know, you know. Uh, but I think the fact that he wasn't here allowed for a conversation to be had that would be very, that was very helpful. I spoke and I, I uh, told everyone what I thought, and I thought this was an, now an opportunity for me to listen. Shaban O'Connor, the diocese whistleblower who worked closely with Bishop Richard Malone, attended the symposium. She sat alone toward the back of the audience and quietly, attentively listened. She spoke with me immediately after. And to learn from um, leaders who have come forward. I was especially here to support Father Bob Ziliaks. I was so glad that he was one of the panelists. And I thought it was important that people would have an opportunity to discuss these issues, especially for us lay people, because I think we're really struggling now to know where do we go from here. And I was, I was glad to hear that there was an exchange of some possibilities in that regard. Was there anything said tonight that uh, surprised you or did uh, you learn tonight? Well, I think it was, it was really interesting to have such disparate perspectives. Um, I thought that the panelists all came from such different areas of our church and their different experiences. Um, but I think it was also humbling to realize that we all really don't know exactly where we're going. And so sometimes that's a little bit frightening or a cause for concern. But then also we ended with a sense of hope that even though we aren't sure where we're going to go, at least we're all we're all united in wanting change, and that's the most important thing, is that we're aware of the need for change, and we want to work towards it. We just have to figure out what it's going to look like. Since you spoke on 60 Minutes, since you spoke at your news conference, um, the bishop has held a press conference. He came on our radio station. He's been on other media outlets. What is your, your thought on how he's responding since this has uh, kind of blown up, uh, so to speak? Yes, well, it's certainly been a, a rather tumultuous experience um, to be on the receiving end initially of that very strange statement um, and then he um, stated on the radio that he didn't want to be vindictive and I appreciate that um, but then I I was saddened that um, the news conference or the press conference they held I felt that that was um, a very unfortunate situation um, so I haven't really been um, particularly impressed by the diocesan response. Um, I, I feel that in many respects they were um, going on the defense again, um, and I just wish that there could be more candor and humility coming from them and from the bishop. How are you doing? <laughs> You've been under a lot of pressure. Yes, it's definitely been the most difficult month of my life. Um, when the documents spoke for me, it was a lot easier, and when I had to speak, I knew I needed to, but it has been difficult. Um, and now I just, I really... I'm trying to figure out where I go from here. I don't want to just be the whistleblower. I, I'm a faithful Catholic and a proud Buffalonian. I want to stay in our diocese and help move us in the right direction. I have to figure out what that looks like. But I really think that in so many ways, I know they're talking about having workshops and dialogue and, and all of those things, and there may be a place for that. But I really think that we need to get back to basics. I mean, it's it's said of sports teams, it's said of, of other entities that you have to get back to the fundamentals. I think that we are called to be a people of hope and of holiness, and that starts for us all individually. So I hope we don't get too caught up in in um, some of the, the headiness of it. We have to really 
make this a matter of the heart and the soul. Is there a place for you in the diocese, do you think? Diocese, do you think? I hope so. I, I want to find out where that place will be. It's hard because I was so involved when I worked for the diocese, and I miss that. I miss that active engagement. But I do hope to still be, to be a, 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 a person who can contribute. And I know that that may take a little while to figure out, but I am very willing, and I'm just trying to pray and ask God to guide me to where he wants me to be. One of the things that we hear an, an awful lot, and, you know, for example, on talk shows, there are a lot of people calling in faithful Catholics um, that are, are being challenged. Um, their faith is being challenged. Mm-hmm. You know, that this is, this is a crisis facing the diocese, the church as a whole. It's not just a Buffalo thing. It's, it's, it goes well beyond that, as you well know. Um, what's your message to the faithful Catholic out there um, who has, you know, deep, Christian Catholic faith um, who is being tried by this this whole ordeal well I think it's important to acknowledge that there is such a, a challenge to our, our faith and that we shouldn't feel um, we shouldn't be upset with ourselves for feeling that um, distress because this is a very very difficult and tragic situation but I do think that we are a people of hope we know that historically our church has been through much worse I think about the early church when people were being killed all around them. I mean, it was the age of martyrs. I mean, so certainly this is a time of persecution, but what's strange is that instead of the persecution coming from the outside, it's kind of coming from the inside. This this cause of distress and tragedy is coming from within our church, and that's where I think it's particularly painful. But I would just ask people to, to please just try to cling to their faith, again, to those fundamentals of it, and to he who we have our faith in, to Jesus himself, because he is the way and the truth and the life and if we just continue to believe in him and trust in him we know that he will carry us through this you know it's interesting i know you have to go and there are other people that want to talk to you but um i find it very interesting there are other priests here tonight in in the audience there were um i won't name them but uh i spoke with them before um and a lot of them don't want to talk yet they were very very they spoke very outward against the bishop and, and against the diocese i'm just not used to that i'm not used to you know usually uh you know priests within a diocese um support the hierarchy of the church and we're not seeing that right now at least not not in mass right and i think that that is a very new phenomenon and i think it has to do with the fact that Um, I think that really speaks to Bishop Malone's leadership or lack thereof, and I say this with respect, but I don't believe that he has done right by the priests of our diocese, and I know of specific instances of that, but also just collective realities that they've faced, and so I think that for many of them, as much as this current scandal might have been shocking um, I think that they they might have had some concerns about his leadership prior to this time, and, and I do kind of wonder when they're going to perhaps be more vocal in a collective sense, and I, I wish they would be. And toward the end there, Father Ziliak said, I forgive Bishop Malone. I do as well, very much so. Um, I, I really bear him no ill will. I, I didn't do this out of malice at all. I did it for the good of our church and in a certain sense for his good too because I don't know whether he had just become warped by by a systemic culture that he's a part of, or perhaps he'd rationalized himself into this state of being and this state of mind. Um, but I certainly bear him no ill will, and I, for, for um, any hard feelings between us, I hope they'll eventually be resolved. The symposium gives way to a panel discussion scheduled for Saturday, December the 8th. That's 9.30 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo.